Hey everybody, it's Associate Pastor Jeff Boyette here at Grace Chapel Fairview, and welcome to our podcast. Our prayer for you today is that you will lean into the message and that you'll walk away feeling inspired and changed, bringing you a new perspective on how Jesus is moving in your life. Let's join Pastor Ian. Well, you guys have heard me talk before. Uh, a long time ago, I told you about my exploits as a paintball player middle school age, and I got really into it, and, and I thought it was awesome, and, and I, I had this kind of bullheadedness about me, and I don't know that I ever lost that, but, but there was this kind of, I don't know, lack of awareness to strategy that was just prevalent in my playing style, and I'll never forget we were playing in, 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 in this old abandoned, not abandoned, <laughs> that sounds weird, uh, it was an under construction neighborhood <laughs> that hadn't been abandoned yet, but but we were in this neighborhood and we're playing paintball and, and there's constructions all around us and, and, and then we're at this cul-de-sac and none of the cul-de-sac had been developed yet. So all of the cul-de-sac was, was trees and then there were kind of houses down the road and, and, and we were all kind of in the different woods and, and the flag that was needing to be captured from the opposing team was right in the middle of the cul-de-sac. And so I remember being like, that's easy. Like, we at least hit ours, and they put theirs right out in the middle. And I was like, I come running through there, like, just, you know, like, I know what I'm doing. I've got all the gear, because I like buying gear, but I'm not really good at it. I don't have good aim. I'm not sure, you know, what I'm supposed to do. And, and I'm noticing, I'm like, dude, it's right there. And everybody's kind of like, yeah, we're just not sure. And I just strike out across the cul-de-sac, you know. I'm like, I got this grab it, and I'm like, look at me, I'm winning, and then I turn, and I'm looking at the entire opposing team, <laughs> barreled down, and all you hear is that like, going off, and I'm watching, because, you know, you see these things, and it's like it blots out the sun, and, you know, it's just like, like, just beat me to death with these paintballs, and and I think I laid in the floor and cried a bit, but it's probably the end of my time as a paintballer. But, but what I realized in that moment when I grabbed the flag and hoisted it high, now you still have to run back to your base, I realized that a trap had been set for me. And I think it's so important for us to realize in life that as we start to live life with Jesus, we are going to run into situations and encounters where traps are being set for you. And as we explore the book of Nehemiah, I find it in chapter 6. You, this is one of the most iconic, this is one of the most familiar uh, chapters in the, in the book of Nehemiah. It's where you kind of get a lot of the famous quotes from. And as I read it this week, I just felt like the Lord was going like, hey, Look at how he prepared and responded to the traps that were laid. Because, beloved, we are in a season where the church can do one of two things. It can either cower down and continue down the trajectory that it's on, running it into kind of an oblivion and a meaninglessness. Or the church can change course. The church, the church can step into the destiny God made it for, and we can become that city set on a hill and a light that can't be hidden. Yeah. 
We can bring hope and healing and restoration to this world. But if we fall for the traps that are set, we will fail. And so we've got to, one, become aware of it. We've got to get our eyes open to it. The scripture says in in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to be on guard and prepared to understand how the enemy is going to, not bullheadedly, but strategically, Try to pick us off and get you engaged in something you were never meant to do. He's going to get you so close to victory that you might even hoist that flag high and you have no idea that the sun's about to be blotted out on you. And so we need to be prepared and aware. One, that, that like Nehemiah teaches it, but two, y'all look at the life and ministry of Jesus himself. Jesus said that, that we would do greater things than he will do, that we'll do more, that the helper is coming, that the, that the, that the advantage is coming. And so, so the Holy Spirit comes. And, and so then we look back at Jesus' life and just listen to these really quick. Matthew 16, 1, the Pharisees and Sadducees came testing him, asking, them to show, asking him to show him a sign from heaven. Matthew 19, 3, Pharisees came to him testing him, saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Matthew 22, 17 and 18. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Matthew 22, 35 and 36 says, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? He was constantly being tested. I would say a better word for that is trapped. He was being put in positions to say something or do something that would nullify or somehow give give credence to this idea that he was a phony or a fraud. He was constantly being, being trapped and manipulated and trying to get cornered, and yet Jesus was the master at understanding what was actually going on. He fully was aware of, of, hey, this isn't just a conversation, but he knew the heart of men. And so our mission is to go, hey, as we start to, to journey down this road of God's destiny for our life, as we start to, to become ambitious and dream big and believe that God made the church for more than just an attendance on Sundays, but he equipped every one of you. He's called every one of us to go be Nehemiahs in the world, to build our wall, to, to go be Noah, build the ark, to prepare the way, to do greater works than you ever could have thought or imagined. Beloved, I say this all the time. I'm not Nehemiah here. You are. And so I have a wall to build in my life, but so do you. And as we journey together toward that great calling and purpose in our life, beware of being trapped. You see, Nehemiah has this incredible experience where he has done so much. And as we approach kind of the fulfillment, we're going to see the wall get finished today. But as the wall is getting finished, he avoids what I could kind of break down into three, and we might could even go further than that. But he navigates 
three traps that are set as he finishes his wall. So let's read chapter 6, well, some of chapter 6 together. Nehemiah chapter 6 says, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies had heard that I rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates. He's like, yeah, I had a little bit left to do. That Sembalad and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to me, do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down, go down to you? But they sent me a message four times and I answered them in the same manner. And then Sanballat sent the servant to me as before the fifth time. And with an open letter in his hand, it was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. And then I sent to him saying, no such things as you said are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they are all, they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will be, it will not be done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came down to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, and the son of Mahatebel. This is terrible reading today. <laughs> Who was a secret informer, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you indeed. At night they will come and kill you. And I said, Should such a man as I flee? For who is there? Such as I who would go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent them at all, but they, that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in the way and sin, so that they might have a cause for evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat according to their works and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have made me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you that you can use preachers that can't pronounce words. And that you love us so much that you still speak. Lord, I pray right now that, that, that you would fill this moment in this room with your presence and your advantage. That you would unveil to us traps that have been laid. That you would reveal to us callings that have been made and that you would encourage us to move forward and to stand tall. Lord, give us courage and strength. We invite you. We welcome you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. The first trap that gets laid in the book of Nehemiah is an invitation to a city called Ono. Oh 
You just don't have to be that good of a preacher here. You know what I'm going to say. If you get invited to a city called Oh No, you just need to say, Oh No. Oh, no. <laughs> Beloved, there is a, a reality at play here that, that Nehemiah gets, gets, gets pushed, he gets prodded, and constantly. And I want to encourage somebody in the room today that there is sometimes that people are just going to be relentless in your life trying to oppose you. And I'm saying, move forward anyways. Some people, you know, listen, Sanballat and Tobiah were on a mission against Nehemiah. From chapter 1, chapter 2, skip chapter 3, then chapter 4, 5, and now 6, there has been a constant and relentless pursuit of these guys kind of taking up arms, getting more people, kind of talking to these guys, talking to these guys, adding to the numbers, and just a, a relentless pursuit of attack, a relentless pursuit of just, they don't even care to talk to Nehemiah. They just want to stop Nehemiah. And beloved, when you get in a situation like that, when you're in a, in a moment of your life and, and there's just somebody, there's just some person, there's just some, some opposition against you, I'm just saying don't stop because Nehemiah never let it, it I mean, I'm sure it bothered him. I'm sure there's moments at, at night that he would go, God, that sandbound is killing me. But he still stayed the course. He didn't let it draw him out into sin. He didn't let it confuse him. And, and Nehemiah's attempts, his enemy's attempt to, to lure him outside the city in the pretense of making peace. You know what? You don't have to go to meetings to make peace when you're not making war. And there's some times where, where it can sound like, hey, this is a good thing. Come meet with me. Come connect with me. Come, let us resolve this. It's like, listen, I'm not making war with you, so I'm not stopping my building for you. And so we need to go, hey, what is it in our life that we're being kind of lured into? You know, when, when, we're, when we're being trapped, this idea of being invited away from what God's called you to do, to go do a thing that you've never been involved in makes no sense. But yet it's an effective tool. It's an effective kind of, kind of a, a, a tactic. You see, many people would fall for this if they let pride and arrogance bloat up and make you think you're more important than you should. You see, if Nehemiah wasn't walking in humility, he might have let that invitation to Ono four different times go, well, you know what? They might need me down there. I, I might be the only one that can help this situation. I, I could be the only person God could possibly use to bring peace. And so maybe, just maybe, I need to go. And the reality is, he didn't think too lowly of himself, but he also didn't think too highly of himself. He knew exactly what God had called him to do, and it wasn't to go down to a town called Ono. Seven miles away, but seven miles away is not just, it's not just the proximity, but it's going, hey, that's, 
That's miles from what God has called me to do in my life right here and right now. And so we need to get it in us to go, hey, I've got to be confident in what God has said to me. I've got to be confident of where I'm supposed to be so that when the opportunity for pride to well up in me and go, well, maybe I should take some time to go down there and see these folks that are desperate for me. Nehemiah didn't fall for it. He didn't, he didn't get tricked by it. And in their relentlessness, he remembered his vision. You see, Nehemiah's answer was a polite but, but firm and somewhat ironic statement. Since leaving the work was the very object of their efforts, and Nehemiah said, hey, I'm not going to do that. And he was firm in it. They repeated the invitation four times, which shows their desperation. It shows their, their desire to just make the work stop. Some people's desire is not, I've said this before, it isn't to, to crush you or, or smite you. It's just to stop you from doing what you're about to do. And you've got to know the difference. If, if Nehemiah could get tied up in the city of Ono and distracted through through conversations about what his intentions are and all this stuff. It's not that they were going to kill him in Ono. It's they were going to prevent him from fulfilling his destiny. And many of us get so caught up and distracted by the invitations to go other places that we maybe miss the fact that the, the enemy just wants to separate you from what you're doing. It, this is over here is just idle time. It's just wasting you away. It's just getting you away from the wall. And so we've got to get committed to go, hey, I'm not leaving the wall for nobody and for nothing. There's not an invitation you can send that's going to stop me from doing the thing that is God has called me and made me to do. Nehemiah stood firm and was careful not to let it divert him from his purpose. The second part, if they can't get you to leave the wall via invitation, if they can't get you to, to leave the, the wall from, from, from invitation, then they might have a strategy. There might be a, a trap laid where you can stop working on the wall because they'll start lying about what your intentions really are. And y'all, this is like whew, Facebook. <laughs> I mean, this isn't as much one of those that you go like, I'm watching this play out online right now. I'm watching a world full of people called to do great things, tied up in accusational this, I'm going to bring this, oh, this and this and this, and I'm going to try to make, and we're just going to go to battle online. And it's like, hey, since when is being lied about a reason for you to lose who you are? Jesus was lied about in front of everybody on the steps constantly. You say you're this, you say you're this, you say you're this. He didn't respond until they said something that was true. They said, you're trying to overthrow. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. You're trying to do this. You think you're the son of God. He said, you've spoken rightly about that. Amen. We don't have to defend ourselves when we live under the throne of the defender. 
And so the world is going to lie about you. They're going to set a trap out there. They're going to go, hey, bite it. Grab it. Do something with it. Why? So I can then convince the world, see, he's exactly what I said he was. But the truth is we got to back up and go, whoa, 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 what's happening here? You see, he said, why should I leave? Why should I, why should I, why should I fall for that? And this next bit, you see from in verses 5 through 7, he starts to get lied about. And they're next to Trimp. They try to divert motivation to get Nehemiah to respond. It's a trap. It's an open letter. It can be a vicious way to attack a leader. You just throw this as an open letter to whoever wants to read it. You know, they don't, they don't do those in like the marketplace anymore. They do them on Facebook, right? I just want to write this out here so everyone can see it. But the truth is they did the exact same thing. They write this kind of open letter as a way to kind of bait the community to try to convince them that Nehemiah is not who they said he was. If Sanballat had been interested in reconciliation, he could have gone to Jerusalem. But now he and Geshem drop their pretense of friendliness and try to spread rumors and lies that would damage the work of Nehemiah. This strategy was subtle and yet, on the other hand, it could have diverted Nehemiah from his exact purpose. Rumors left unchecked could affect public support and bring down the wrath of the Persian king in the Jewish community. And after the events of Ezra chapter 4, when similar reports resulted in Persian decrees to stop the work, this seemed to be an excellent plan. The only problem is they're not dealing with who they had before. Now they're dealing with a man of God named Nehemiah. He sees what's really going on, and I love it, I'm begging you. I'm encouraging you. As you've been called to a great purpose in life, get eyes like Nehemiah. When you're reading something, when you're interpreting something, when you're trying to understand what's going on in a situation, get eyes like Nehemiah to actually see what's happening and ask the hard question, could this be a trap for me? we're making a difference in the kingdom of God and we're building the walls around the people of God and we're doing miraculous things and we're seeing God move and we're seeing revival happen and awakening to the, to the land. The enemy is going to stop at nothing to make you stop it, to make you quit it, to make you go back to your normal, simple, common life where you have no effectiveness in eternity. He will do anything he can to thwart the, the will of God from being enacted and fulfilled in your life. He will make people lie about you, defame you, and even outright attack you. And I'm saying, do it anyways. For Nehemiah, the reported rumors were serious accusations. Jerusalem had a, had a history of rebelling against controlling empires. And a strong wall around Jerusalem would have made rebellion even a more viable option. No doubt some of the Jews were remembering the prophecies of the restoration of the Davidic kingship. But slander and gossip 
even though they might have some kernel of truth attached to them, there's some weak point of a leader that they're exploiting, how should we react? Is it, it is legitimate to defend ourselves against inaccurate slander, but it's often better to ignore it if possible. Knowing that the accusations are going to be lies, if they're lies, Nehemiah was simply able to deny it go, what you say isn't true. You made it up in your own heart. I'm going back to work. The simplicity of Nehemiah is overwhelming. He, he doesn't get concerned with, oh my God, if they think this, if this version king thinks this, I'm, he's going to be here. I need to do this. I'm going to have, I'll have a banquet. I'll do a banquet. You know, it's like he doesn't come up with some weird strategy. He just goes, that's not true. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep moving into God's plan for my life. I'm not going to let the distractions, I'm not going to let the accusations, I'm not going to let the rumors, I'm not going to let the lies have any control over my life. I'm not going to let it stir up fear, anger, worry, frustration, or bitterness. Why? Because that's not the will of God for me. God made me. To, to love him and to love people. He didn't make me to have to be the great defender. Why? We said it already. Because he's the defender. And if he's the defender and I let him do my part, I can live alive and free to do exactly what God made me to do and be everything God made me to be. And beloved, that is what Nehemiah is able to do. He, he, he sees it, he understands it, and he recognizes it. And then when the lies and the trap of, of kind of defamation and lying about us comes, it's an effort to get us to fold, to stop, to freak out, or just quit and go home. When people start to say things like, you're just a fill in the blank. God doesn't have any part of that. You're doing this for ulterior, ulterior motives, accusations and attacks. Our response is not to cower or retreat, but to stand and cry out, God, strengthen my hand. And when we look at the, at the purpose that God's called us to, at the great things God has, has invited us into, I don't care what happens, who's saying it, where it's coming from, we've got to stand and say, God, strengthen our hands. Why? Because it's easy to get weak under attack. A man can only take so much. A, a woman can only take so much before you start to just get beat down. And you just feel exhausted and I've fought so hard and I've fought for so long and I've, I've tried so hard and we don't need to, to let that person get, get beat. We gotta go, God, strengthen our hands. God has meant more for us than just to, just to get beat up and left behind. And when we do that, what does he do? He shows up. He, he does something miraculous. He, he does in 52 days what couldn't be done in 52 years. You see, he, he shows up in a massive way. And so sometimes when we're under attack, when we're under getting, getting exploited, getting blown up, getting, getting called all kinds of nonsense, 
Our prayer doesn't need to be concerned with the accuser. It needs to be concerned with the infuser. God, fill me, make me strong, let me do everything you've called me to do, prepare me and make it happen. And as we start to to see it, we start to feel it, we start to get infused by it, all of a sudden we have the energy it takes to move forward. And then finally, the third trap set is a trap getting laid out before him that says, hey, they're coming, man, they're going to kill you. You need to come you need to walk, come into the temple, hide yourself, get out from there. Like there, it's, And so this is his own camp kind of inviting him, get, get away, because they're coming after you. But he wasn't a Levite. So entering the temple would have caused him to sin, even if it was for a good, por- good point. And so he stood tall, as they kept trying different strategies, as they kept laying different traps, some people within the Jewish community were not in favor of this, this building project. So Sanballat and Tobiah tried to use them against Nehemiah's leadership. Nehemiah accepted Shemaiah's invitation to see him, thinking he was a true prophet, when, but when Shemaiah had sold out to the opposition, he used his influence to undermine Nehemiah. He may have thought he was doing the right thing, but he simply joined the ranks of the betrayers in the scriptures and in the world. They went to betray the sacred is a continuing thing. It's a continuing peace that you see throughout the word of God. And in these traps of threat, if you don't stop then, if you don't quit, then this will happen. You'll get kicked out of this group. You, you won't be in this club. You won't be a part of this. Beloved, we can't fall for the trap of being, of being threatened. We can't fall prey. I don't care what it costs you. If you're an ambassador from heaven called to this world, before we're a Nashville native, before we're a fill-in-the-blank, we we've been called by God to to make a difference and an impact in the world around our life. That means that obedience to King Jesus is always the way. And if people make threats to stop you, they've forgotten a key component. That Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Don't forget, that is an instrument of death. They may be able to threaten your body, but they can't touch your soul. And Paul said to die is to gain. And that's not some weird belief, but it's a perspective that says if the worst they can do is kill me, and the best thing that can happen to me is to be with Jesus, then we have ultimately thwarted his plans in our life. We can live free of the burdens of threats and stand with courage because we're not afraid of what the world can do to us. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, hey, do you think you'll keep preaching, you know, kind of heavy messages if they come to try to take your 501c3? And I said, come and get it. If you think we're here to fulfill some kind of business, like organization, you're wrong. 
We're here to be God's holy church. So if you want to make threats, if people want to threaten us with, well, if you keep doing that, you're not going to be fill in the blank. I'm going, that's the devil. That's God. That's, that's, that's coming against that. Like, I'm not afraid of that. Because the worst you can do is, is take away our tax freedom, put us in jail. Like, what? It says, hey, don't fear the one who can't touch your soul, but fear the one who can... Beloved, we've got to get perspective that when people start threatening you, making accusations for you, laying traps out for you, it could mean that you're right in plan with the will of God for your life. And we need to stop seeing it as, as resistance, like God's pushing you back. Now listen, sometimes you might be going, barking up the wrong tree, going down the wrong path, and God might want to pull you back. That's fine and good. But God speaks, so you don't have to worry. He'll tell you. But sometimes when we run into wall, wall, opposition, people, traps laid, attacks made, threats put before us, we need to go, thank God you're showing me where, where to go. You know how I know I'm where I'm supposed to be? Because all of you are opposing me. And so there's a reality that we go, hey, that, that opposition might be putting me right in my destiny. It might show me. That even though it's hard, right? Like, I'm sorry for any of us who believe the lie that said, when I follow Jesus, life is going to be easy. You got lied to. Heaven is going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be beyond your wildest expectation. But this side of the veil, it is war. And we've got to understand it and believe it and be ready for it. And on the good days, laugh and smile. And on the bad days, not let our joy flee. Because I don't need this world to, to be different. I'm here to change the world. And so we've got to go, God. So we've got to recognize the false prophecy. We've got to recognize, like, he, he interpreted it, Right? Y'all, sometimes people are going to come to you and say, I have a word from God. And it's your job to see if it is true. Nehemiah hears it and even gives it voice. He even gives it place. He says, hey, give me the word. They start going and he realizes, this ain't God. Be your own Bereans, go search the scriptures. Go get into the word of God. Go test the spirit. Be a, a, be a head, eyes wide open, head out of the sand, aware of what's going on. Because even sometimes God-fearing people that, that, that think they're doing the right thing might be the very ones who hurt you. You know, church folks aren't perfect. Somebody's... I thought I heard an amen, and maybe it was a, but we're not. There's some God-fearing people that love Jesus with all their might, and they're, they're testing it out. They're trying it out, and they might say something that's wrong, and that's one thing, but there's also people who are going to manipulate. They're going to try to intentionally use God to, to turn against you, to, to, to hurt you and wound you, to and we've seen it, right? This is what, what's so wrong in church today and what's so, so 
embarrassing as a believer is you've got these people just being knuckleheads out there giving the church a reputation that is a bunch of nonsense. And instead of making a difference in the world, they're manipulating people to get money, influence, power, fame, fill in the blank. And it has caused the world to turn and look at the church and go, what a joke. But the church won't look, uh, the world won't look at the church like a joke if the church starts being the church. And so we've got to say, God, who am I to flee? Who am I to run and, and sin? We've got to be so aware that in a moment of fever-pitched emotions, we don't mishandle what's right in front of us. He could have, I mean, how many, like he would have been justified, right? Hey, dude, you've done a lot. You're way out in front. You're leading the charge. You're the tip of the spear. Just hide out in the temple for a minute. And he's going, I'm not going in the temple because I'm not a Levite. I will be sinning if I walk in. And who am I to run anyways? We've got to get a hold of that and get that kind of unction, that, that courage, that chutzpah to go, God, I'm not backing down. And, and, and when we do it, when we recognize it, when we respond to it, then all of the sudden we start to realize, oh, yeah, that was a trap, and, and this is happening. And even though that, that kind of man of God gave me that word, that wasn't God. That was him. He got paid by them to do that. You start interpreting what's happening. You start understanding it. God's given you clarity to it. And what does he do in verse 15? Beloved, I don't care what our opposition is. I don't care what traps get laid. I don't care if you get caught in one of the traps. You fall down and have to get back up. Verse 15 tells us, to finish the wall anyways. You see, your destiny, your purpose, your mission here on earth can't stop. Not because you get confused or attacked or, or, or worried or fearful or afraid. You've got to go, God, I'm going forward anyways. I mean, this man has been has been shot at. This man has been yelled at. This man has been cast down in the streets. He's been lied to on public forums. He's been talked negatively about. He's been forced uh, like under threat of his life several times by the same men, the men that are close, the men of influence, the men right around his life. And what does he do after all the traps, after all the accusations, after all the, the opposition? It says, and therefore I finished the wall in 52 days. I'm telling you, church, finish anyways. When hard times come and you feel beaten down and you feel overwhelmed and you feel like it's not stopping, it's too many, there are even people from church are saying it, even this person saying it, I can't believe everybody's against it, everybody's pushing down, everybody's kind of pushing me away, I'm saying move toward him and finish the wall anyways. Because it was never going to be the plan. It was never going to be Nehemiah. The, he never gets in the, the word of God. We never have a, a chapter named after him. If the, if the end of this story was, and after all the fighting, I just let another guy finish it. And I'm not 
I'm not trying to say we should, we're trying to get our name in the Bible like it's finished, canon's closed. <laughs> but I want to leave a mark. I want to make a difference. Somebody said the other day, something, something came out and this just kind of fell out of my mouth. I said, you know what, when I die, I want hell to say, thank God he's gone. I want my life to mean something. Nehemiah and all his work and all his effort and all his purpose and all his resilience and all his, the beauty of his responses and the way he shows us the, the model, if he doesn't finish the wall, it's kind of all for naught. So he finishes the wall anyways. And on the 52nd day, when they couldn't get this thing done for years, when the man of God shows up with a vision and a purpose and the, and the provision of God, anything can happen. Because 52 days after he showed up on the scene, God changed everything. And beloved, as we start to think about our life, as we start to think about what God's called us to, as we start to think about this great, great purpose in us, some of you are going, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a, I'm not a leader, I just do this, I'm a banker, I'm a plumber, I'm an electrician, I'm a, I'm a finance guy, I'm this guy, I'm that guy. And the bottom line is you are called and God has made you for this. You are not the... You are not the supporting character, the, the backup. You're not just a, a fill-in, a placeholder. You have a great destiny on your life. And it is to love God, love people, and make disciples. And as you start to fulfill it, don't underestimate what God can do in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your church, and most of all, in you. Because in 52 days from right now, everything could be different. And so I'm encouraging us, exhorting us, and calling us to, to believe bigger, to allow our skin to be thicker, that as traps are laid before us, our awareness would be would be heightened, that our purpose would get clear so that we could watch the church come to life in a way that is so much more than just highly attended one day of the week, but mobilized into the streets of Williamson County and Nashville and beyond to go, therefore, and make disciples to teach him to obey all that he commanded and to trust that he's going to be with you always. To build the wall and watch and see as we start to get lit on fire, as we start to get set ablaze, as we start to get mobilized and purposed for the kingdom of God, Knowing full well that the fight is before us, knowing that the opposition is going to come, lies are going to come, people are going to attack, people are going are to be opposed to it, people are going to be relentless about it. We cry out, God, strengthen our hand and give us courage not to flee because God still has a plan for the church 
He's not done with us. He hasn't forgotten about us. He hasn't abandoned us. He has set the stage for the world to see something they've never seen before. And it's our time to rise up and be everything God's called us to be and to do everything God has called us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, we honor you, and we invite you to come and stir us up. Prod us on to good works, to, to do all the things that you've made us to do, to be everything you've made us to be. Fill us with that grace, oh God, that right here in this church, we would start to come to life, not to just grow a room full of people, but to change a world. God, give us big vision, big dreams, big callings, and big courage. We love you, we trust you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, somebody? Amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great week.